Well, good morning. I have to tell you, I stand before you a man who is incredibly grateful because last week, Easter weekend, was an absolutely amazing week, and you and the Lord were the ones who made it that way. Um, You know, you gave our many guests last week an incredible, beautiful glimpse of who Jesus is. And I want to thank you because last week, so many people served, I could not even count. Everywhere I walked, there were new people serving. Thank you. And you know, last week, we had some stories shared by some people that were amazing. And I want to thank you for sharing your stories because I know for some of you it was incredibly difficult, but you did it and you gave people hope. So thank you. Yeah, you can give them a hand. Um, So many of you invited guests last week, and so many came. We had a couple of people uh, pray and give their lives to Jesus last week. We, I know, amen. We also had, um, we had several more people who last week, they decided to give God, or at least the church, a second chance. And I Love that. I love being a part of a church where people can come as they are. They can feel like they can be here and not be judged, but really they can, they can seek God and, and learn to discover God kind of at the pace that they need to go. And uh, I'm excited about our future, future together. It's going to be good. So I wanted to just say thank you to you because um, last, last week was one of my favorite Easter's of all time. So thanks. And that's, that's saying a lot for a pastor because, you know, Easter's like our big day. Um, <laughs> Before I jump into the message, I wanted to uh, make sure you're in the know concerning some of the good things that are happening in the student ministry. And uh, I shared in an email this week, uh, my weekly email, but um, I wanted to give you a quick recap and kind of some big next steps. Um, you know, as the recap, um, as most of you know, if you've been, been around here, Pastor Arthur announced last January that he was leaving Avalon to help uh, restart a church in Lake Mary. And the plan was for him to stay on part-time to continue leading the student ministry until we either found somebody or until camp in June. And so in February, um, Arthur and I, we met together and he was telling me that uh, the transition was uh, harder than he had expected for the students. And that we both agreed at that moment that it was in the students' best interest for us to, to get to figure the solution out sooner rather than later. And so I've been discussing this with our elders and with our our student leaders and um, just a lot of different people. And one of the priorities that continued to surface was that one of the main needs in our student ministry is stability. We have gone as a church through so much transition and on top of that, and our students have gone through that transition, but on top of that, they also have gone through additional transition uh, in the student ministry. And so, you know, we, we, want, we want long-term health. We, we want stability. And, you know, I had the opportunity to hire, you know, somebody part-time to come in and, and be the, the student pastor for a year or two kind of thing. And I didn't want to do that. Um, I, wanna, I wanted to do a, something, and I say me, but I mean, honestly, it's we, the staff and the elders. And we wanted to, to do something that would last for years, to be on a healthy trajectory for years. And so, you know, I was, we need somebody with um, experience and skill developing teams. We, we need somebody who uh, is uniquely gifted to unite the Spanish and English ministry. We need somebody who has experience in youth ministry. 
somebody who, who really has this desire to have a student ministry that's centered around team rather than just one, one individual. And it just so happens that we have somebody on staff who is just like that. And um, his, his name is Pastor William Nieto. He is our Spanish pastor. So Pastor William, where are you? I know you're around here. Will you come up here? There he is. Now, I will tell you, I really love this guy. He, he has become one of my favorite people. And um, as we have talked, we think we've just been so united together. And he has proven over and over that he can develop teams. Because I'm telling you what, the Spanish ministry, it's amazing. I said, I said ministry. We said we aren't saying that. The congregate, yeah, the Spanish congregation, because we are one church with two languages. We are not a church with a Spanish ministry. Um, so forgive me, forgive me. I can't believe I just said that in public. We promised never to say that, and I just did it in front of only a couple of people. So, um, <laughs> but in social media, awesome. <clears throat> You're fired. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> So what, what, as we've been talking about the different possibilities, um, we really, we being, again, the elders and the staff and me and the leaders and the, and the student ministry, now that we've talked to everybody, we believe that God is leading us to, to invite Pastor William to go from a part-time Spanish pastor, and I have it up on the screen for you so you can see. Wait, let's see. Will you go to the next slide? Because there it is. <laughs> Spanish pastor and student ministry team leader full-time. And I tell you what, yeah. Amen. Would you, would you mind sharing a couple of things about, like, you know, what are you going to be doing? What's your heart? Okay, uh, well. I gave him one minute. No, I'm just kidding. One minute, yeah. I, the first thing he told me, he's like, okay, you're speaking this morning. And uh, keep it brief. But I'm like, uh, you're giving a microphone to a pastor. Keeping it brief is definitely an oxymoron right there. Uh, but um, thank you. Uh, once again, gracias. Uh, all glory to God. It really yeah. is. Uh, it's not me. It's, it, it's not a me thing. It's a God thing. Um, for some of you may not know, I started many moons ago as a children's ministry, and then as the uh, need arised, I went over to the uh, teen ministry. As a father of two former teens, a current teen, and a current tween, yes, I'm busy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I have a personal uh, interest vested um, into um, having a fruitful youth program because they're our next generation. They're the next generation of hope. They're the, they're the next generation of the Church of Jesus Christ. So we need to make sure that we're investing in them properly. And um, right now, I believe that it's really, really tough being an adolescent this, this time around. Um, it's with social media and all these things that are happening, and it seems like a lot of this, the, the media is just focusing on the kids or the teens doing bad stuff. And they're so misrepresented. And God has put a burden in my heart that we, the church, needs to change that. It, we can't leave it up to the schools. We can not leave it uh, uh, to the government. It's, it starts at home. And this is our spiritual home. Amen? Amen. So um, God has put this burden on my heart. And when Pastor Don and the elders presented this opportunity to, uh, uh, to me, first I, um, <laughs> I prayed, fasted. Fasted and prayed in that order. And then you and, pinched yourself a and lot. I, I saw you do that. pinched myself a lot because, yes, it has been a prayer for me to, be, to uh, come full-time to serve God. 
And I, I, and I try to serve God not as an individual, but as a team. Uh, because, once again, it's not about me. It's about us serving a perfect God. Amen? Amen. And Amen. I, if you want to clap, go ahead. And it's, for, it's for God, not for me. Please. Thank you. Thank you. So there's one verse that I just want to share with you. Um, God showed me this verse. And... Um, I wanted to share with, with everyone here and why this burden has become so clear in my heart. And it's, uh, it's in, written in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, 12. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. It seems that society right now is looking bad or down on our youth today. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I believe, church family, that it is our responsibility, whether you're a parent or whether you're a member of the church, to invest time and effort in our teens, in our next generation. So um, real quick, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Pastor Don. Thank you, first of all, to God for this opportunity. Um, it feels like the mafia. Once you're, you're in, you're in. You're in, and you can't get out. And I, and I can't get out. But all praise to God. Um, so, um, can, 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 will you join me in prayer? I want to pray for our youth. So, Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise your holy name. This is for your glory, not the glory of one person, not the glory of even a church building, but the glory of your church. Father, we come to you this morning asking for wisdom and discernment, not only for the, the uh, ministry leaders, but also for our youth. They're crying out right now, Heavenly Father. The enemy is very busy at work trying to destroy the next generation of hope. But we know that we are, with you on our side, we are not, uh, we're not outnumbered. And we pray in Jesus' name, in the name that is above all names, and all the church family in agreement says, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor William. I don't know how to do that. All right, we're just going to put it right here. Ah, now I really believe God's going to do something unique here. I really do. I think that rather than just a cookie cutter kind of thing, that we're gonna, something special is going to happen that is truly Avalonian, I think, as I've heard us say, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. Now, I know that um, that was fairly short and all that, so if you have some questions, I, I want to invite especially parents and students right after the service today in here. We're going to have a time for a, a short, you know, question and answer period where we, because we really I believe in transparency. I think communication is the best way that we can be united as a family, so I want to invite you to come and, uh, and spend, it won't be incredibly long because the, we have a, another Spanish service service happening in just a little bit. So um, you can come to that. And also tonight, um, we're having a time to say goodbye to Pastor Arthur as he's fully transitioning to Lake Mary. And so if you haven't said goodbye to him, I want to invite you to, to come tonight and, and just be able to, to hang out with him uh, together. And then next week, Pastor William's going to be sharing during the message so you can get to know him a little bit better. Sound good? All right. Thank you for that commercial break. Now, let's go ahead and it is me. I know it's me. Thank you. Thank you. So every, when I do this, we'll just know. Go to the next one. <sighs> now, let's get into the message because I, I love this message today. Um, the title of the message is The Juno Dilemma. The title was I, I got from a, a movie that I saw in 2007. 
The reason I reference a movie as the title of a message is because this movie asks one of the most honest questions I think any of us have. This is one of those probing questions that I, I have a feeling that almost everybody in this room wonders at some time. See, the movie was named after a teenage girl who got pregnant and had to decide what to do about it. And, and it's, a, it's a really well-written movie, but the bottom line is she eventually decides that she's going to have the baby and give it up for adoption. And as she got to know this wonderful adopting couple, she recognized that they were having trouble in their marriage. And she'd already experienced a terrible divorce with her mom and dad. And so there's this tender moment over halfway through the movie where she, she's sitting down with her dad and she asks her dad this thought-provoking question, that, that kind of question that just stops you in your tracks, you know? And for many of us, it's our question. And this is what she asked. <laughs> dad, I just need to know, is it possible for two people to stay happy together forever? I mean, in other words, Dad, I look around and I see that it didn't seem to work out for you and Mom. And, and there's this amazing couple who wants to adopt my baby, and it doesn't seem to be working out for them. And I just look around and I wonder, am I kidding myself? Is, is this just a dream? Is it, is it possible to fall in love and actually stay in love and happy together for our whole lives? See, it's such a great question because we look around and we also see all the broken relationships. And it's so easy to conclude that that kind of forever love just isn't possible. We see the brokenness in, in our parents' marriages, and we see the brokenness in some of our own marriages or even the failed marriages. And like Juno, you wonder, is it even possible? I mean, we hope so. We all hope so, and we all hope that we can find that kind of love. And while, while it might be possible, many of us have just resigned ourselves to the fact that it's just not probable. Maybe it's possible for some, but it's not probable. We want this kind of love, but we're not sure. Is it luck? Is there some magic formula that make it happen? Because the reality is we know it only takes 10 seconds to fall in love, right? I mean, the only requirement to fall in love is, is a pulse, right? We can fall in love with people that we don't even know. We can stare at the TV and just dream about our lives together with, with that person. And, oh. and you might not agree with this statement, but I really think that right now, it might be easier to fall in love than at any other time in history because there are over a thousand websites where you can find the perfect profile match. We have social media where you can meet people that you could have never had access to before. But while falling in love might be easier than ever, I think that right now in this time and day, it's, been, it's more difficult to stay in love than it ever has been, even though it's what almost everybody wants. We want forever love, but it's hard. And I would guess most of us aren't even sure what that looks like. See, very few of us have seen really healthy, long-term romantic relationships. Now, I don't mean the kind of Facebook and Instagram posts where, you know, the couple meet and they love each other and they just seem to always be happy and always be doing the fun things together. We've stopped, we've learned to stop trusting those kinds of, those kinds of pictures. I'm talking about most of us haven't seen those, that experience of watching a healthy relationship, a loving relationship over, over a period of years, watching how they handle disagreements, watching Watching how they, 
how, how they foster that love in between each other. Instead, what we have are models where love doesn't last. You know, for most of us, we're used to seeing models where the, the, uh, the attitude is do unto others as they deserve to be done unto, you know? Or, or do unto others as they do unto you. Do unto others to get them to see things your way. Or, or even better, do unto others until you wear them down and then you get your own way. <laughs> see, I think the, the common one, the one that we see most, is do unto others until you're done, until you're ready to leave. See, those are the models that we've been shown, and, and we don't know how to stay in love. We just don't know how. So we, and we, we create these unhealthy expectations that the ones that we love, that, that we expect them to meet in our lives. So we look to them for encouragement. We look to them for support and, and comfort and appreciation and approval and security and, and, and attention. And, 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 and we, we have these voids in us that we want filled. And when they don't adequately fill the void and they don't fulfill the expectation... What began as a hug around the neck all of a sudden becomes a stranglehold. I'm empty. You need to fill me up. I'm going to squeeze everything I need out of you, and you're going to do the same to me. And we wonder why at some point that they just don't look as cute as they used to before, you know? And why, why is all the excitement and emotion and passion fading away from our relationship? See, we have a pulse we're equipped to, stay, to, to fall in love, but our models of dysfunctional, temporary love have not equipped us how to stay in love for the long term. And so when the relationship isn't fun anymore, often we leave. That's what we've been trained to do. And when relationships hurt so much, we just decide to get out. And we're bombarded by a, a message every day. It's a message that says, if you're not happy in your current relationship... It's because you're with the wrong person. This is the message that we're told all the time. You know, you chose poorly. You need a do-over. You need to just get out. That if you just keep looking, you'll finally find that soulmate who will make you happy. That if you keep moving from relationship to relationship to relationship, you'll eventually find that right person who will, who will fill the void. Yet if you talk to people who've been married for 20 plus years, happily married, people who, who are still in love, they're going to tell you that, yeah, they too had times in their marriage where they wondered if they married the right person. But at some point, they, they decided that finding the right person was only a part of the journey, that becoming the right person was even more important. That, that the grass isn't greener over there with someone else, but the grass is greener right where you water it right where you water it. See, relationships, they take work, patience, but the results are so worth it. And I realize this is countercultural. People just, we're not taught how to do this. That's why love that lasts forever is possible, but it's not probable. Aren't you glad we don't just end right there with prayer and go? Because <laughs> that's kind of depressing. So let's talk about some hope. Because that's what this series is all about. This series is a series of hope. And today, it's kind of the introduction to the big picture 
of, of, of how we have hope and how you can have love that lasts forever. What we're going to do is we're going to look at two statements today, one from Jesus and one from Paul. Both statements basically say the same thing using very different words. They, same statement, very different ways to accomplish this. These statements, they speak into to many of our stories uh, of brokenness where we are and and the frustration and the failed relationships. But these two statements, I believe they are the foundation for enduring romantic love. You know, the I, I can't wait for the kids to go to bed kind of love. And what Jesus said is so simple that when I say them, you might go, yeah, yeah, I already got that. Next. What, what, what else you got, Don? But it's so simple that you can miss what he's actually doing here. I really believe that if two people will accept this teaching, this basic, basic teaching from Jesus, it'll change the trajectory of your, your relationship. And it's just one statement. So let's start with Jesus' statement. John 13 says, Jesus starts, A new command I give you. You have the Ten Commandments. You have the 700 other commandments that reinforce the Ten Commandments. But, you know, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Guys, I got one more for you. One more. Here it comes. <laughs> Sorry, it's you got there. A new command I give you. Love one another. And I know some of you are like, man, Don, is that it? Dude, you should have studied harder. <laughs> I know. I know. But if you, want, if you want to see something radical, look at what Jesus does with this. Because he does something brilliant. Because he takes a word, love, that is normally used as a noun, and he flips it upside down and he makes it a verb. Jesus is like, normally love is a thing. You know, you fall in love, you fall out of love, but now I'm making it a verb. I'm making this word, love, an action, action word. I, I want you to actively love one another. You want lifelong love? Noun. Love one another. Verb. Stop worrying what the other person does do or doesn't do. Stop worrying about if they're meeting your needs or not meeting your needs. The question is not, are you feeling love for them? Because that's a noun. No, no. The question is, are you loving them? That's a verb. See, all relationships start with feelings. I mean, that's what draws us together. And they do last a while. But in the natural course of events, feelings always fade. They always do. And so what happens is we, we want to get that feeling back. And the only way that we know that we've had the feeling was to start a relationship. So when the feelings start to fade, we start saying to ourselves, maybe it's time to get another relationship. And so we leave one. We go find another. But what's different is now there's some broken hearts involved. And the process repeats. And more and more broken hearts. And so, yeah, you might get the feelings for a short time, but now you have brokenness that you didn't have before, and the feelings will fade again. So Jesus comes in, and he corrects the problem, and here's how it works. He says, if you want to maintain love for one another, if you want to fan that flame, if you want to rekindle the feelings in your relationship, you need to quit treating love like a noun, and you need to start treating it like a verb. It's an action word. So here's the bottom line. The foundation for staying in love is to make love a verb. Now you'll remember that, right? Um, the foundation for staying in love is to make love a verb. 
Let's say that together because it's true, and I don't know why. It's just fun to say in church. The foundation for staying in love is to make love a verb. You see, the goal, it's not, it's not to reacquire the feeling. The feeling is not what a relationship is based upon. The feeling is not the engine that drives the relationship. It is the byproduct of love. It is the byproduct of the relationship. Jesus says that what makes the relationship actually work is actively loving the other person. And when two people who used to be in love, noun, actively begin loving one another, verb, guess what happens? Takes a while, but the feelings that you had in the past slowly do rekindle. But something different happens because all of a sudden your love goes to a depth that you never experienced before. See, when even, even a relationship that's broken, and all of our relationships are broken, let's just be honest, but when, when the relationship's just not working and you begin to actively love one another, the, the, the feelings truly can slowly be rekindled, but the love goes to a deeper level than you've ever known before. See, we're going to look at how that fleshes out over the next couple of weeks in this series, but as a quick overview, Jesus gives us a hint at what this kind of love looks like. Because you're like, great, actively love. But what does that even look like in, in, in a relationship? Look at how Jesus finishes the statement. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. In other words, Jesus is saying, I don't want you to take your cues about how to love somebody from your culture. Don't, don't go there. I want you to take your cues about how to love as a verb from me, Jesus says. The way Jesus loved somebody, that's our model. Does that make sense? Okay, now let's look at the Apostle Paul's statement about the exact same thing in a very distinct way because when Paul talks about this statement, he uses a word that many of us would consider a bad word, a dirty word. It's a word that's gotten us in trouble, uh, Christians in trouble over the years. And, and it's one of these words that when we see it, we usually ignore everything after it because it's a little offensive. And that's sad because this is a very powerful word, very powerful, and it's a beautiful word when used correctly. Submit to one another, Paul says in Ephesians 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. Now, Paul uses this statement to begin a long discussion about family relationships. We're not going to be able to get into that today. But what he was saying is that love works within mutual submission. See, if you, want a, if you want love that lasts for a lifetime, it, it's, it begins with mutually submitting to one another, where, where one of us says, you know, in our relationship, you're the priority. And the other says, no, 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 you're the priority. No, you're the priority. No, you're the priority. Bad sitcom, I don't understand. But who is the priority? It's, it's one person saying, it's you. And then you say, it's me. That's mutual submission. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, because it's rare, but it's beautiful. You know why I think it's so rare? It's because it's scary. It's vulnerable. You see, somebody has to go first. Somebody has to say, you 
are the priority. And even if you don't respond by making me the priority, I still choose, that's a verb, to make you the priority in the relationship. I don't know if you've ever seen something that, like that, that kind of love of mutual submission together, but let me tell you, it's powerful, and it's beautiful, and it creates love that truly does last a lifetime. So Jesus says to love one another, active verb. How? Paul says, submit to one another. See, it's a choice you make. It is an action. And I realize how crazy that sounds because it's so countercultural. But I'm telling you when, you, when you see it, if you experience it, you know you found something special. You, you know you found the secret to not simply staying married, but truly being in love. Love one another. Not as you think you should. No, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. It is loving like Jesus that makes this possible. As Jesus submitted himself to us, we submit ourselves to others. And, and to discover this kind of love, you need to, somebody needs to take the first step. Why not you? Why not you in the relationship? Because that's when transformation starts to happen. See, it's when you say, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. God, I want my marriage to be what you want more than I want it to be just what I want. See, it's shifting your model from what you've learned in the past to what Christ teaches you. And, and what's amazing is this doesn't just change the trajectory of your relationship. It changes the trajectory of your kids' relationship. Because as you begin providing them this new model of how to sustain love for your whole life, it, it's a model that you've received from your heavenly father. All of a sudden, they have a model about how to sustain that kind of love in their life. So it's not just about you. It's about the other person in your relationship, your kids, their kids, and their kids, saying the culture doesn't offer us a lot about what lifelong love looks like, but Jesus does. You know, when you think about it, you think about the kind of love that we receive from our Heavenly Father who was willing to allow His Son to die for us. That's submission. He submitted His Son to death for us. And then you look at Jesus, who submitted his own life. Why? Because he loved us and wanted us to be connected with God. And so he dies in submission because he loved us. To answer Juno's question, Dad, I just need to know, is it possible for two people to stay happy together forever? Absolutely. But it has nothing to do with how powerful the attraction was when you first met. It has nothing to do with how much fun you had together and what kind of selfies you took and what kind of Instagram posts that you made. It has nothing to do with that. Staying in love is only possible when you make love a verb. And that's what this series is about. Next week, we're going to look at a very specific passage about what mutual submission looks like. And I really want you to be ready for this next week. Pastor William's going to be sharing, and um, on your way out this morning, you're going to get a card that looks kind of like this. 
And I want you to grab one of those cards. On one side of the card is the passage for next week, and on the back are some questions that you can see right here that I would love for you to answer on your own. Let me tell you, if you're married or you're in a relationship, I, I would say consider deeply before you start talking about these questions with your your, your spouse, because I want you to sit together next week, you know? I, I, I don't want you to start fights. So this is kind of, I'll let you decide, but these are kind of the questions just for you and God for right now. Um, you know, maybe at the end of the series, it'll be a great discussion card. But um, I, I know what I'm about to ask is a big commitment, but I would love it if you would take this card and read the scripture passage every day between now and next week. It's not long. It's only a couple of verses. But I would love it if your mind was saturated with this passage because it is so rich. It will help you know about how to make love a verb. If you're single, this passage will help you know what kind of person you're, you're to be looking, you should be looking for. And if you're in a relationship, this passage will help give you a model of what it looks like to love verb one another. And, you know, I know in a crowd this size, a lot of people are, you know, guests, somebody might have drug you here, promised you lunch, or maybe just you wanted to make them feel, you know, stop being made to feel guilty so you came. But maybe you're checking out this God stuff. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you too to read and do this exercise, read this passage of Scripture, because there is no better passage of Scripture in the Bible to understand how much God loved us, verb. This passage of scripture is why so many in this room so passionately love God. This passage is why so many of people in this room have chosen to give their lives over to following Jesus Christ. See, in this passage, you're gonna get a glimpse of God's love for you and how that love can be translated into your life. And if you're willing to commit this passage of scripture to, uh, to read it every day, I would ask you, I want to be praying for you. On your bulletin, there's a connection card at the bottom. I would love it if you would just, I would challenge you if it'll make some of you. I double dog dare you if it'll make some of you do it. But just mark that box and drop it in the, in the connection boxes back there. And uh, that way I can be praying for you this week. Next week, we're going to learn how to love like Jesus. Not just how to fall in love, but how to stay in love. Let's pray together. Well, God, I want to thank you for Jesus' example of love. The, the fact that you come to earth, you give up heaven, you die for us, just so that we can have a relationship with you. I, there is no other sacrifice that better is a picture of actively loving somebody else than that. Thank you. Lord, I know that there are people in this room, couples in this room right now who maybe their relationships are hanging on by a thread. Maybe this is just, they're like one last series before, before we just call it quits. God, I pray for that couple, those couples. God, I pray that you will, you will begin giving them hope that though it might not be quick, maybe it'll take a long time that there is a possibility to have love that truly lasts forever, that the possibility exists to rekindle those feelings that they had at the beginning, but that, that their love truly might be able to go deeper than it ever has before. I pray that you, you show them that that hope exists in you. God, and I pray this week as those who read this scripture, 
and let it saturate and marinate in their mind that it will just, it will penetrate their heart. Jesus, help us to, to learn how to make love a verb. Help us learn how to actively love people like you did. But we know we, we don't have the power to do that in our own, on our own. That is only possible through your spirit. So Jesus, we pray that you will fill our spirit. Fill us with your spirit. In your name we pray.